G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. The recent debate about chaplains in Australian schools has raised a very important question. There's been some debate between secularists and Christians about the value of what chaplains bring to a school. Of course, chaplains have broadly been active for well over a thousand years, and today we have chaplains not only in schools but in hospitals, the military, aged care, business and industry, even also sport. Well, let's ask the question today, what is a chaplain? Our guest is Ben Boland. Ben is an aged care chaplain who writes and speaks about aged care ministry and across the issues of chaplaincy, been writing about it of recent times. Ben, a special welcome back to 2020. Neil, it's lovely to be back with you. Ben, how do we understand the history of what a chaplain is? Because that might help us understand what a chaplain is today. Yeah, the history is, I think, really fascinating. And you're going to have to, your listeners are going to have to pull it, um, bear with my poor pronunciation because we're going to have to go into Latin and French, but just very quickly. Um, so the word chaplain comes from a Latin word, and I'm going to mispronounce it, so I'm going to call it capella. Um, and what it actually means is little cloak. And it dates from the 4th century in France, where a bloke who we know as St. Martin the Merciful was a bishop eventually, but at this stage he had joined ministry. He'd previously been a Roman officer, which meant that he had a long cloak. It's part of a Roman officer's uniform, if you will. Um, and that after he joined the church and become a minister, if we can use that phrase, he came across a man who was dying, a man who was stuck in the snow. Um, I believe the Russian phrase or Russian euphemism is he was becoming a snowflake. And St. Martin took his cloak and cut it in half and gave half his cloak to this man who was dying in the snow. Now, I'm sure listeners will be aware of that whole thing from Jesus. If a man has one shirt, two shirts, he should share it with another. And he takes this very literally. Um, So when Martin died, um, they set up a chapel, for a better phrase, around his body. Um, a place of pilgrimage, and people who were in need came there expecting the the staff, the clergy in that chapel to provide the sort of care that St. Martin did. Um, So chaplain dates from those clergy who were called chaplains, people who cared for St. Martin the Merciful's tomb, but more importantly, provided care for the poor, for the broken. And so chaplains, uh, they really came to the fore uh, in the armed services and uh, starting with English chaplains. Yeah, at least in the English context, the armed services have always had chaplains. Um, And that's simply because the armed services know that they're going to have the dead to bury, uh, both enemy and indeed um, their own personnel. So they've always had clergy serving in that context 
And in fact, that's what the word chaplain literally means in English now. If we go to a technical definition, it's a Christian minister or a minister whose focus is not a geographical area or a parish, but whose cares for a specific institution or group of people. So a sports chaplain, um, say a basketball chaplain, is a person who ministers to the basketball community as opposed to a postcode or a geographical area. So let me ask you about these recent developments where the federal government wants to change the thought of what chaplaincy is and introduce the idea of well-being counsellors, which don't have that spiritual dimension. Uh, Your thoughts here, Ben? Yeah, it's been an interesting time, I think, in history um, in terms of what chaplains are expected to do, Um, and particularly the the key... um, point of conflict seems primarily to be the education and particularly the school context. Um, and it varies, from, of course, from state to state, um, and whether it's a state thing or a federal thing, but um, chaplains basically, or school chaplaincy is very minimal now in the ACT and I believe in Tasmania as well, um, whereas where I'm at in Queensland in the Granite Belt, we have a number of school chaplains um, and they are primarily coming from the Christian perspective, but there is an increasing pressure for chaplains to be um, secular and or to remove chaplains altogether and to go to counsellors or ethics teachers or some sort of um, non-religious personage who sort of is there um, in various shapes and forms. You know, I was talking just recently to someone from Sports Chaplaincy Australia and they are saying that there are literally hundreds or thousands of opportunities for people to participate in chaplaincy in sport. It would be the same opportunities in schools or in hospitals. But let me ask you this, Ben. So given we've got a little bit of history there now and we've got some changes afoot, the thought of watering down this Christian Uh, ministry role of chaplaincy, let me ask you about what a chaplain is in our 21st century. Yeah, it's a really good question. And the short answer is it's quite complicated because we now have people who are identifying as chaplains who are coming from various faith communities. Um, So you can have an Islamic chaplain or a Jewish chaplain or a Baha'i chaplain. You can also have people who are identifying as non denominational or non-spiritual chaplains. So even the word usage is really complicated. Um, On top of that, it really depends on the organisation both the chaplain is ministering with and the organisation who the chaplain is accountable to. So, for example, again, I'll pick on our local chaplains here. They're employed by Scripture Union Australia. so they're accountable to them, but they're working in the state schools. So they've got two separate um, reporting structures and who often have very different expectations and they've got to balance those things really carefully. Um, and again, school chaplaincy is very different to, say, aged care chaplaincy. Um, school chaplains don't normally, at least the SU ones up here under the government payment wouldn't normally run a church service, whereas an aged care chaplain running a church service is a core part of my function. So it really does depend both on the organisation that is funding 
chaplaincy. Um, so let's look at Sports Chaplaincy Australia. Most of those chaplains are volunteers, and they do an amazing job in various sporting clubs and communities, and I know they're always looking for more people to minister in that space. Ben, if we're talking chaplains now, and the thought of a secular social worker, I wonder if you've got a bit of a contrast uh, from what sort of dimensions come to the chaplain, which will be absent when there's just a secular social worker. Yeah, um, I think there is a significant difference between the varying understandings of chaplain. Um, perhaps the the lowest common denominator, um, and it's not a model I'm particularly fond of, is chaplaincy, where it's all about presence and listening. Um, now, I think presence and listening are critical skills, but I think biblical chaplaincy is much more than that. It uses those, but underpinning that is a real desire to love God, a real filling with his spirit, a desire to fulfill the biblical criteria for ministry. So while uh, sometimes chaplaincy can be described simply as presence and listening, I think as Christians we bring much more than simply presence and listening. And indeed, our presence and listing is empowered by God, which is not something that you could expect from someone um, who comes from a secular chaplaincy model. And so there's something there, and uh, without getting too spooky, but there's something in the counsel and the presence and the listening and the thoughtfulness of the Christian chaplain that is going to bring a bigger dimension than someone who is just a secular social worker. Yeah, look, um, I think social workers are incredibly special people and do incredibly great work, um, and counsellors likewise. Um, but the skill set is different. There, There is overlap with what I would say Christian chaplaincy should be, but there is also significant difference. Um, for example, traditionally a social worker or a counsellor are paid positions. Um, so many chaplains and Sports Chaplaincy Australia is a great example of this, do it voluntarily. That's really big. I'm not aware, and I may well be wrong, of terribly many people who are doing the secular chaplaincy who are doing that as volunteers. Um, Christians are passionate to love people. They're passionate to share Jesus' love with people. So they will often volunteer and be the chaplains in this space. And chaplaincy can be a hard gig. So that's significant. Also, the, the paid traditionals, the counsellor, social worker space, um, traditionally are quite limited. You have an appointment with the person um, whereas a chaplain is a much more within the Christian space, is a much more relational context. Um, people don't normally make appointments to come and see me. They grab me in the hallway. Um, they grab me while I'm engaging with people. Like I got called at seven thirty this morning. Um, so there's a less different boundaries, not less boundaries, but very different boundaries. I wouldn't normally call my counselor at seven thirty in the morning. Um, does that make sense? It does. It means that this motivation that comes from love and this relational attitude you might develop between yourself and those you serve uh, really means that you're very tolerant of when people will call you at odd times. Let me ask you too, there's another big difference in dimension too, to the church minister. 
who works with a local church and a chaplain who works with broader community. How do you describe those differences? Yeah, I think the big difference is who you're engaging with. Um, I've done a little bit of work in the local church and when I was working in the local church, most of the people I was engaging with were involved in the local church. Now, some of them may not um, have identified as Christians, but they were at least in that church sphere of influence. Uh, whereas a chaplain, um, 95% or plus of the people I engage with don't identify as Christians. Um, so it's much more missional in that sense. Um, it's much more dealing with people who, what's a Christian, who's a Christian, as opposed to people who are interested in Christianity per se. What would you say, Ben, are the absolute necessities for qualities for the Christian chaplain, for those who might be thinking about the possibility of getting involved themselves? Um, I think there's four big ones. The first is a, ch- a Christian chaplain has got to love God and know God's love for them, and they've got to love people, particularly the whatever the demographic they're serving in. So um, if you're particularly passionate about Netball Australia or Netball, then chaplaincy in Netball is a great space, whereas I wouldn't know what side, well, I don't even know what a shape of Netball is unless I think about it. So I'm probably not particularly suited to be a Netball chaplain. So a love for the demographic you're going to serve in is critical. I think you need to be fulfilling the biblical criteria for eldership, um, just as you would in a local church ministry, particularly if the person is in a full-time capacity. Part-time's a bit different. Obviously, exceptional people skills are critical. That listening, that presence, um, and that takes years to develop, but it can be taught. So that's really important. And finally, I think you need a strong theological grounding. Of course, chaplains deal with the tough stuff in life. Chaplaincy is ministry in the pain-rich spaces. Um, Often the people we are dealing with are people who are facing death and dying, um, suicide and all those things. So in such a a painful space, it's critical we have a solid theology of suffering and also that we're able to teach and care for people and that also means a care for ourselves in terms of self-care and all that requires really strong theological grounding. It is a hugely valuable dimension of Christian ministry, the thought of being a chaplain, whether it's across sport, as we've been talking, or hospitals, aged care, business and industry, who are increasingly wanting to make sure they have a chaplain looking out for the spiritual and well-being needs of their employees. Ben Boland is an aged care chaplain, and my challenge would be to connect with your local church denomination to find out if there's a pathway to chaplaincy on behalf of your local church. There are some chaplaincy providers as well. And to connect with Ben Boland, you'll find him on LinkedIn. You can also see Ben on YouTube, his Jesus Love in Aged Care video on YouTube, and he's the co-author of a book or two that you can get a hold of too, Jesus Loves Me and Joy to the World, part of the Hammond Care and Bible Society Faith for Life Suite. Ben Boland, thanks so much for sharing your thoughts on chaplaincy today on 2020. Neil, it's an incredibly, as you said, it's an incredibly important ministry. Um, And thank you for the chance to talk about it. 
Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.